Welcome into another edition of Rich on Personality. The wealthy men today, Reed Foster alongside Andrew Graham. Well, not alongside because we are unfortunately divided by continents, by the prime meridian. Uh, a lot of things separate us, but what does not celebrate, what does not separate us is our love of basketball and our hatred of evil politicians and businessmen, which we will discuss at length today. Andrew, let's start off with the Anthony Davis trade rumors. He demanded or requested a trade, I believe, last week. Uh, we have about a week or so until the NBA trade, trade deadline. Um, what are, when you first heard the news of the Anthony Davis trade, uh, what are your versus right now? What have what are your primary thoughts on it? Do you think what, a trade will happen? And if so, what is the most interesting destination for him? Well, hey, first of all, it's good to talk to you. We haven't we haven't talked in a while, so yeah. it's uh, it's good to catch up. Um, so my my first thoughts, there's a couple aspects of it. First of all, it's just it's a seismic um, bit of information or news, so to say. So you know, going kind of like Lowe's piece, like this has the potential to be one of the sort of biggest trades. It's a, like it's a once in a decade type trade. It's I wouldn't once in a, decade. I don't agree. I don't even think once in a decade sums it up. I mean, they were talking about like it's the most sure, impactful sure. trade since Kareem, and I, I don't disagree. I mean, you look well, at I mean, it, and, and and maybe KG was the closest one, right? I mean, that that trade that's the reason they won the championship, right? But a but like but KG that was still a short term trade because he was near the end of his deal. I mean, if they traded him circa like two thousand three, then we're talking similarities. But sure, you're getting sure. so you're getting Anthony Davis at twenty five. Right, so yeah. you can. This has a chance to shape the next half decade or so of basketball. Whereas that Kevin Garnett trade defined the next two, three years of Boston basketball, of, of NBA basketball at least. Uh, I mean, they still had a, a nice little run afterwards, but their impact, his impact, was early on. Um, Anthony Davis, wherever he goes, is going to completely change things. Uh, now, if so, like in your estimation. Do you think New Orleans should trade him before the deadline, and do you think they will? Well, there's a couple aspects to this. First of all, I think you have to get an idea with Boston if they're going to give up Jason Tatum. Because Jason Tatum is sort of the trump card in all this. He's the best asset. I mean, I truly think he's the best asset. Okay. Well, in Boston, Boston with that has the best package. Now, if Boston is unwilling to give up Tatum, and you can make a good argument from Boston's perspective that they should not do that, Although I would, I think there's plenty, but there's plenty of smart basketball people who, who, who think that they shouldn't do it. I think then you you have to start picking up LA's call. I think it was reported today by ESPN that Polinka keeps calling Demps and Demps doesn't answer. And I think eventually you're gonna have to pick up the Lakers call because I think the Lakers can offer. Is there a team outside of Boston? Well, let me let me flip around a question to you. Outside uh-huh. of Boston. Who's, who, who has a better package than the Lakers? I mean, the Knicks, maybe, but the odds of them getting the number one pick are 20%. Right. Well, also, if you trade for, I mean, let you know, maybe the Knicks could have a better package after the season when we know what their pick is. I mean, if they trade for Anthony Davis now, there's I can guarantee you they're not going to have the number one overall pick because... If, if you're getting Ingram, Kuzma, I mean, so for example, if you're the Lakers, you're off, you have to offer everybody. Right. I mean, I just... Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, and probably Hart. I mean, I don't know about you, but like as someone who 
supports like the Hornets. I mean, as a Timberwolves fan, does it piss you off to hear Lakers fans talk about, well, I don't know if I'd give up Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma for it. Maybe two of the three. And it's like... Well, it, doesn't really, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really piss me off, but it, it just, it's kind of... Well, it's just, the course of Lakers fans. I mean, it's fucking bullshit, man. I would do... It's so stupid. I would do anything to have Anthony Davis on the Hornets for a year. I'm talking, I would trade Kemba. If Kemba told me right now, he would sign for... Let's say he signs like a six-year deal at a very reasonable price. I would give him up for a year and a half of Anthony Davis in a heartbeat. Are you, like, are you yeah, kidding me? 100%. The chance to watch this guy is. play for your team and you are gonna you you don't want you're not so sure about it because of Kyle fucking Kuzma I mean well, and I think I mean like we we know like all three of those players and again you would probably have to offer all three of those players and either your pick you basically you probably have to offer those players and then a pick or two right or those players in a heart and maybe Catavius Caldwell Pope I mean then you'd have to make the finances work right and maybe you like is, do something is, is where you offer Outside of Ben Simmons, outside of Philly just being like, hey, do you want Ben Simmons? Um, who has a better offer than that? Well, who do you think I'm going to say? Hmm. Who do I... Who, are you, you going to go Denver? No, no. Okay. God, no. No, hey, I mean... But I, I find, to be fair, I find that, I find that idea quite interesting because they have, they have the assets if Connolly and crew want to make sort of a Big time splash. Kind of. They around before in the past. Like, and, and, and Connolly used to work in New Orleans. And um, I could see, I mean, you could make an argument that Denver should just stay put. They're going to be good for a really fucking long time. Yeah. But, I don't think that Denver, as an organization, has the wherewithal to make the necessary push for a championship. Um, sure. Because, you know, this is the kind of deal where... I mean, Denver would almost certainly have to give up Jamal Murray in a trade to get Anthony Davis right. Um, well, it's Anthony Davis, right? You, you literally have to give up your best asset. Of course. Without even, that's like the starting point. Right, you have to do that. But with Denver, I don't know that it's worth it in the sense that, you know, I think you give up Jamal Murray. So, you know, maybe that's the difference in the, maybe getting Anthony Davis for the next year, like next two playoff runs if you're Denver – if you have to give up Jamal Murray, I think that puts a ceiling on where you can go. You know, so are, are you trading for Anthony Davis to make sure that you get to the Western Conference Finals two straight years? I don't know how appealing that is. I don't think it's worth, like for a franchise like that, when you have Jokic in place, when you have the ability, when you have like, what do you call it? If you have Jokic and Murray in place, I feel like it's a franchise that can be competitive and fun for the next decade or so. Um Whereas, so I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's uh, worth it for them because they would still need to make another trade to make it worth it. And I just, I don't see Anthony Davis staying in Denver. Um, but I mean, as a basketball fit, I think it'd be interesting because Jokic is the only big man I've ever seen. Um, like you watch it every now and then, they'll run like pick and rolls where he is the, uh, he's the one that like so another big man setting the screen for him. And then he yeah, does the pass for someone else. So I think the idea of a pick and roll with Anthony Davis and Jokic sounds a lot of fun. Um, but again, I, I think that all that does is make Denver the second best team in the West. The trade I am most intrigued by, I think uh, 
I mean, Milwaukee would be interesting, but I don't think they have the assets to do it. Um, I mean, I think it's similar to Denver, where I think they don't have the assets to do it, uh, where they could still do it and also contend. Now, maybe... Do I get one more guess? Do I get one more guess at which team? Well, I think you're going to get it now, but... It's Philly, right? No. Well, we already said Philly we, with the Ben Simmons I know we already said Philly, but okay, before we move on, this is a, this is a, this is a shout-out to Reed Foster. You were on the Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis before most people. Thank you. And I still yeah. don't know why, like, it Philly... Needs be, it needs to be acknowledged. Plagiarism is a serious crime. Right. I hear you fucking it's Bill Simmons unethical. stealing my idea. Yeah. Running with it like it's yeah. yours. Bill is... Bill, he knows it's a Bill's listening. We we know. Come All right. On, Bill. All right, Bill, here's the deal. You hire me to work for the <laughs> ringer and you can keep that idea. Bang bang. Yeah, you can keep all our you can keep all of our ideas. Oh. And you don't have to pay us a lot of money. Exactly. It works it works out even better. Um no, the hey, answer I actually don't have a guess. is the Toronto Raptors. Oh, who, yeah, I should have gotten that. I should have known better. This is a team that, I mean, I think we're talking about, like, who can put together a competitive package. I mean, I think you can make the argument that Pascal Siakam right now is a more valuable asset, more valuable asset than anybody the Lakers can offer. And no, I don't agree. I don't agree. I, I'm, no, not saying, I don't. I'm not saying I agree. Um, but I'm saying you could argue Siakam is a stronger um, prospect than any of the Lakers guys are individually. Uh, and you could maybe argue he's above Tatum. I, I wouldn't. I would definitely not agree that he's a better prospect than Tatum. And I, I, I'd be iffy on the, on the Lakers guys. But the idea is that I like right the now, Lakers guys better than Pascal Siakam. If I'm trying to start from scratch, like I think you're if I'm plugging them into a contending team, I'd rather have Pascal Siakam. But if I'm in for a rebuild, I'd rather have the other guys. Totally fair. Um, but I also th- and I also think that. Um, what do you call it? Uh, right now with Siakam, you'd be selling high on his value, and with That's the Lakers, and with the Lakers, it's the other way around. You'd be selling Lonzo at an all-time low at a time when it's like, all right, you know, Lonzo, like for whatever reason, he can't shoot free throws this year. There's a lot, of, and Lonzo has kind of come out and like, I, I didn't think it was funny. Lonzo came out and said that he would prefer not to go to New Orleans, and I mean, just the arrogance of that guy. Like, why the fuck do you think you get to deter- decide where you go now, guy? Like, how about you actually do something in the NBA and then you get to get all pissy about where you will and do not will not get traded? Uh, just a thought. But anyway, so let's say, I mean, I think like, so you start out with Pascal Siakam as your primary trade asset. You know, you could do a deal where it's maybe like Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and Serge Baca, or Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Jonas Valanciunas for Anthony Davis. Or maybe even OG plus Pascal Siakam and Ibaka for Anthony Davis. Do any? Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to do that. You'd have to. But again, I don't see if I again if I'm New Orleans, I'm I'm taking the Lakers because even with the, if you're the Lake, I mean, even if you're talking with the Lakers, you could even probably you could probably even be like, we want all four of those young guys. We want throw in hard too. I guess I mean is it, have to do it. Is it that? I mean, I think if you get Ananobi and Siakam, that is when I start to lean heavy towards the Toronto. Offer. I just think I, I just think Brandon Ingram has a. I think Brandon Ingram's going to be a pretty nice player. Uh, I see a lot of. I, I'm really concerned about. I mean, I could definitely see him. 
I don't want to. I don't want to insult him that much and say he could turn into Andrew Wiggins because man, that's just rough. But I definitely have. There's some red flags with 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 Ingram. I'm a big fan of Kuzma and Ball, but I don't know if I was rebuilding. It'd be interesting to see Siakam on a team where he had to be sort of a really primary option. I don't know. I uh, I, mean, I completely agree with that. But yeah. he and Ananobi. So you have two quality wing prospects, the most desirable position to have. Um, yeah. Now, I also, also, I think that you have to wonder, because I, I think it's fair to speculate that the I don't think it's an overreaction to say that the future of the NBA in New Orleans comes down to this trade and what happens with it. That's, I mean, that's actually, that's kind of an unfortunate sort of sidebar of this whole thing. And so if that's the case, does that impact your, if you're New Orleans... Are you more willing to perhaps take a trade that is better in the short term so you don't have to immediately go into a rebuilding situation because then you're going to alienate the fan base even more? I don't know. As a, as a, as a fan of a team that constantly has been rebuilding, I, I always enjoy the full rebuilds over the half-assed rebuilds. Right. Not the complete... I mean, I don't know. I'm not sort of like a... Sixers like rebuild, or you know the Wolves tried to rebuild and just sucked at it forever. But you know it was always fun. You know watching it was fun when you know when we had Wiggins as a rookie and then Towns as a rookie, and you sort of just went up from there. Um, instead of like when we would plug in players like Thad Young or Mike Miller, you know, I get the appeal. I know, and I'm not comparing OG and um, Pascal to those players because they're they're good young players. But I would try to get. The, the highest upside assets. Right. I'd be more interested in that. Right. You're not going to be any good. And you're already going to trade. You should be trading Miritich. You should be trading Holiday. You should be trading Etuan Moore. Like, these are these, you should not keep these players. Right. But I mean, let's say you have like, uh, yeah. I mean, let's say you get to keep Miritich, you got to send out because he's going to be a free agent anyway. But Holiday, Julius Randle, Etuan Moore, aren't they all going to be here next year, right? Um, I don't know. I trade Julius Randle if, if you want to capitalize on his value right now. Um, yeah, I guess you should try and do that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with the idea that maybe you should blow it up, but I think that you have to. I think we are looking at this purely from a basketball standpoint and not as much sure, from, from a fair. business standpoint. And you have to remember, the owners of the team are not basketball people. These no, are Saints people. And I'm not even I'm not even joking about this. I think it has to be seriously mentioned. Are the Saints owners still so butthurt about the no call in the NFC Championship game that they want to spite LA? Because they already are pissed off about the Lakers potentially tampering, and they've been talking about all that. I mean, you know, remember Indiana didn't agree to the Paul George trade that would have they would have gotten a great package back. But they said they didn't want to trade within the division. They didn't want to trade to Cleveland and help LeBron. Yeah. Is it, I, I don't think it's out of the question at all that with the myriad factors that are present, that New Orleans intentionally takes a somewhat lesser deal to screw over L.A. and LeBron. Oh, and Dems is pissed too. Especially at Clutch Sports, at, at, at Palenka. I mean, yeah, I, that's that's definitely. Really possible. You know who's never made a trade with the Lakers too? Is uh, Glenn Taylor. 
Oh, Still, uh, I, there, and there's and there's a rumors that that's over the fact that they took our team. Oh well, he's still bitter about that. How old is he? Is he like an old school Minnesota guy? He's like seventy five year old Minnesotan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd be pretty pissed. You know, but my point is like these 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 people are. Uh, I don't want these people. Billions of billionaires all think the same, but um, yeah, people that it wouldn't be. Um, I, it's very possible, actually. I I don't know, but look, if, if we're going to... That's a very valid point to put together, but the odds of him getting traded, I, I still think are under 50% at the deadline. Yeah. Even though I probably would trade him. I... Also, though... I'm sorry, before you go, I also think, though, that we're a couple days away from sort of a breaking point because I think that if New Orleans doesn't trade him, Rich Paul might just go public and say you know what we're not going to go we're not going to accept any other team but the Lakers Uh, well I think at that point you uh, I don't think that would deter Toronto from doing it remember I mean even now it's like you're right it it wouldn't it it wouldn't deter some really ballsy teams but it might deter the Knicks it might deter the Celtics and you might be squeezing your best offers whereas now LA's gunning at with what their best offer possible yeah, and it might be just the best idea to do what say fuck it. We're gonna ring LA for all that they got because at the end of the day, this is who we're gonna be trading with. So it's either now or nine months from now. Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, what I don't quite get is like you hear in the league circles all this frustration mounting with the Lakers. Why is there no frustration that's mounted with the Celtics? I understand a lot of it is just because they have been they've operated really well. I mean, so like I I recognize that like any like annoyance with the Celtics would just be annoying would just be petty because they realize that Boston and Danny Ainge have done it better than they have. At the same time, p- human beings are not rational creatures. You know, I should I hate the New Orleans Saints? Absolutely not. They've never done anything to me personally, but do I want to see them suffer greatly at every possible moment? Absolutely. Why is there not more desire to see the Celtics suffer? Well, the Lakers, I mean, so the Lakers also historically have just been the best franchise. Although, I mean, that argument doesn't really work because the Celtics have more titles. Been great, but. Yeah, that's true. But I was going to say recently, though, the Lakers just kind of lucked into being good the last two sort of championship runs. Like, they got a ridiculous deal to get Pogasol. Like, an absolutely ridiculous deal to get him. It was clearly sort of like a... I don't know how the best way to put it. Sham isn't the right way to put it. And then also, they just got LeBron because they're, they're the Lakers. And that pisses people off. Because all these teams, for most of these teams, and even the Celtics, are, in order to succeed, they have to do everything right. They can't just be shit for four years and then LeBron will like, well, I'm going to come there because it's the Lakers. That pisses people off. No, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, you know, like, I... That's what it is, to be fair. Like, that's the only explanation. Right, it's I mean... It's not like Magic Johnson people hate. It's not like people seem to like Rob Blinka. It's not like the people running the show are are people that 
people around the league don't like. It, it, they just don't like this idea that the Lakers literally just the last this the last title runs with Kobe and this sort of new run with LeBron is is basically they just got good again because they're the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I will say like the one time this decade that we can like verifiably prove that a team got fucked over by the NBA offices was the Lakers with that Chris Paul trade that got nixed. That's true. I mean, that's and that and that's and that's fair. It's 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 ironic that David Stern nixed it because David Stern ended up going after Del Demps earlier this year. Right. And ended up being right, by the way. Well, how he just said that he's like you know people get mad because Del Demps sucks. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the... I mean, I agree. The animosity is a little... It's it's understandable. Uh, I just figured there'd be more animosity towards the Celtics. Um, and also, I mean, well, I, I think... think people, I think people think Danny Ainge is... I mean, I, I think I, I think if you pulled every single GM and you sort of could actually... You gave them some sort of truth serum where you could... They could sort of go off the record... I think a fair amount of them would be like, you know what, fuck that guy. I think a fair amount of them don't like Danny Age. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Do you feel any differently about the way that Danny Age goes about his business versus someone like Daryl Morey? In a way, like, specifically, like... I don't know what it is, but, like, the way that the Celtics do things pisses me off more than the way the Rockets do the things. And I know part of it's because they're just from Boston. The Celtics are a bit high and mighty about it. Um, and that's fine. I mean, they, they they've done a really good job. So I, I I mean they have they've got some capital in that regard. But no, I don't particularly. I I don't really know. I don't really have. Um, Maury's much better with the media. Age is kind of a prick. And I don't know him. So he might be a nice guy. I'm not trying to say that he's a, a bad person, but he kind of can be a bit standoffish, um, a bit sort of condescending. Whereas Maury's sort of like. One of your buddies that just made it. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey like, like tweeted out like to Shea Serrano the other day, like yeah, like Morey's one of your your friends that made it. You love that guy. Like you were, you have some crazy stories of that dude when he was twenty two, and you know, but he made it. He had this weird sort of um, obscure vision, and uh, most people thought he was crazy, but he kind of made it. Whereas Danny Ainge was the dude who like. You know that guy you went to high school with, whose whose parents had set him up with a trust fund, and yeah, he was awesome. But like, he had sort of everything laid out for him. I don't know. I just and he was kind of a prick the whole time. I don't know. I think he's just a lot less likable. Yeah, and I I think part of it is the way that the the Celtics built up all their assets. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, part of it is like they. The way they did it, I don't know if it was intended to be this way, but like the way they did it ended up being kind of malicious. Like the Celtics to get all their assets just completely fucked over half a decade of Nets and Kings basketball. Well, and also, can we be fair? The the Isaiah Thomas trade was cold. Oh my god, yeah. That that's the thing too is like, that they don't like they. That it, was rough. They treat the players like their assets. Which I guess everyone does, and they're just more direct about it. I, I don't know. Um, I know everyone makes that trade, though. Like you and I would have made that trade. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think it was it was a smart trade to do. And like you look back at it, like I mean, Cleveland was moronic to not like get the the hip investig like investigated. Like, 
But that was like... Isaiah Thomas is... He's on Denver now, right? He's not even... Oh, God, yeah. Has he played? Uh, let, let's look it up. But I'm going to go ahead... No, he hasn't. He hasn't. Oh, that's That's sad. wild about Denver is Denver has Isaiah Thomas and Michael Porter. And none of them... They haven't done shit. Which is kind of like... Which is really intriguing. Makes that team really intriguing. Right. I don't know if someone like included the like Michael Porter Jr. in a potential Anthony Davis trade. They're like, well, see, this trumps everything other teams what? can do. And who like, said that? Like, what are you like? Was that, was that a Mizzou person? No, it was like a Denver person who was trying to say like Michael Porter Jr. plus Jamal Murray is like so great. And it's like, I love like I was hyping up MPJ before the draft, but there's all the caveat that like, yo, this guy can if he is not healthy, he doesn't matter. And like this is the same. Like, how are you going to bank on a guy who has a bad back? Yeah, and not just your run of the mill bad back, but but um, a, a type of injury that, statistically speaking, it, it, it will really sort of derail his career. It's the odds of him being consistently healthy are are not great. Oh yeah. Well, that's funny too. Is like I I went to like uh, you look he up. He's so talented. He would have been a top three pick if they if they could have even if they thought he had a seventy five percent five percent chance of being healthy his whole career. Oh yeah, he would have gone top five. He uh, what do you call it? It's funny. Is like you look at all like the Roto World um, like stories on Michael Porter Jr. and it's like alternating between like Michael Porter Jr. and pressing in workouts. Then Michael Porter Jr. no timetable for return. Like they they just keep saying he's doing great in workouts and just hoping that you're buying it and not going on. There's with no it. way he plays this year. And well, I don't know. That might be a bit. I mean, they might. He's not. He's not. There's playing. no way he plays any any sort of relevant minutes this year. They might they might activate him and then play him in a blowout or send him to the G League. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of sad. Uh, anyway. Yeah. What do you call it? Uh, Anything else you want to touch on? So, like, what, what no, the day. I mean, on the Davis thing, I'm. I, I. I think it's just a waiting game. So there's. There's really nothing more on that that I feel. All right. Um, so with to wrap up the Toronto point, is there any trade that you could see happening with him ending up in Toronto this year, where the Raptors? I'm not saying they would be favorites over the Warriors, but you would have to pause and think about it for at least thirty seconds. Before declaring the Warriors titles, like champions again, no, not a single one. No, and it's not even. I, 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 I'm. I think this Warriors team is just going to roll through people in the playoffs. I think this might be the best iteration of that team. Now, that's kind of contingent on Draymond, but Boogie looks good. Oh, he they're, looks great. They're, 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 their bench players are playing really well. Durant and Curry are playing literally as good as they've ever played. I mean, Curry's playing at his basically his MVP level. Same with Durant. There, I don't know. I don't see any team beating them. But I, even if even if the, even if Toronto got Anthony Davis, that might be a boring answer. But so, but you don't think that like, let's say they were able to keep Ananobi, and Ananobi returns to the form that we thought but he would reach this no, level. There's no way they could get Anthony Davis without. Giving up yes, they could. They could like, give up. Literally no one. They could give up Siakam, like Abaka and Van Vliet. Van oh, Vliet's a nice. Man, that's that's such a that's like Del Demps would like literally have to submit that trade and leave his office. But that's I'm saying that would be one that they could contend 
like early, like early on in the short term and in the long term potentially. If that's if they somehow pulled off that trade, yeah, definitely. I okay, so there, so there you go. Give. Okay, fine. I think, but they. I mean, remember we didn't think that like Toronto would be able to get Kawhi for what they did. I mean, remember but they not only give up Demar Derozan though, Jakob Pertl, who was a, who was a, a former lottery pick and a. And a first-round pick. Yeah, but not only that, but like they... I mean, honestly, if you told me they flipped Jakob Pertl for Danny Green just by itself, I'd say, wow, great job, Raptors. You won. But that package that they got for um, Kawhi Leonard is was better than the package that um, I, I honestly think that Toronto would be giving to New Orleans. Uh, probably. A little bit. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I just... Is Pascal Siakam going to end up being a better player than DeMar DeRozan? But he, I'm saying he's like he gives you some hope long term. You can slide him in now. Um, he's also 24. Right. I mean, I don't think like I don't. Again, I'm I'm not saying Siakam's like a future Hall of Famer or anything. I'm no, just saying that I you know, can. I know, I know. All this is is that you have to be able to sell it to your fan base like that. Like when Minnesota traded for Jimmy Butler, they gave up Lori Mark. They gave up like the pig that became Lori Markkinen. Markkinen's never going to be half as good as Jimmy Butler, but the Bulls could tell the fan base that he would be. And that's and all that matters. Good, to be fair, I mean, to, he looked, and um, right, but again, two things: one, Jimmy Butler is not nearly on the same planet as Anthony Davis, and and also Jimmy Butler was just, I mean, and you saw this in Minnesota that it was just kind of like getting a boulder off your chest, getting rid of him. Oh yeah, he's that sort of suffocating of a player. He's a huge fucking douchebag. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem like yeah, yes, uh, and. I say that even though he's the only NBA jersey that I own. Um, but all right, let's let's uh, let's transition to the vegetables of the podcast. We have a lot of political stuff to discuss, which is... Yes, uh, we do. This is good because like, we haven't quite reached the point where everything pisses me off, which I know is coming soon. Uh Oh my god, it's coming so much sooner than I than I'm even like saying. But um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Democratic nominees, or do you want to explain the Venezuela situation to me first? Well, we can talk. I, I first of all, I don't think I can explain the Venezuela uh, situation. I'm I'm not a, an expert in that, but I can if you. Well, if we can talk briefly about it. I can sort of give you a lowdown. Give me like a. All right, give me – so I will tell you the, the small things that I know and what okay. – and so tell me where I'm like misguided here and we can work through this Good. thought process together. Okay. Um, so I saw that like their election seemed kind of rigged like the guy ran and there was no opponent, which is I guess is not good. Um, I mean it was I – think, I think it's quite fair to say it was a rigged election. Okay, so it was definitely a rigged election. Um, I have heard conflicting reports on the role of socialism playing into the election being rigged. What do you know about that? Well, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how much socialism played into the, uh, the uh, election being rigged. Um, I would say that. Well, I mean, I think I think um, I don't know. Has there been someone arguing that socialism was the reason why the election was rigged? Well, I saw like um, I see how that would be. I predictably saw some like shitty. I think it was Brett Stevens, New York Times op-ed that was like, or like Wall Street oh, Journal sure, op-ed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, 
you're going to get trash articles from people like Brett Stevens. But it, it, to, to, if we're going to have a rational conversation, I don't. I mean, Maduro was definitely who's the who's the current. I guess he's yeah. I mean, he's still the leader. He's still the president of Venezuela. I mean, he he definitely was. He was definitely has some pretty severe autocratic tendencies, and he definitely did. I think rate the election, but I don't. I don't know how that's a how that's a fault lies on socialism, but maybe I don't know. So well, let's go back to what's happening in Venezuela. Basically, what's happening is Venezuela's been in severe economic crisis. Okay. That that economic crisis has been exacerbated by a couple things. One, um, then this is not going to shock you. Uh, sanctions. Um, and and foreign influence. Um, again, this is something that I think anyone can agree on. There's been, you know, really harsh sanctions imposed by the U.S. Uh, they did this with Hugo, Hugo Chavez as well. What were there's the? Been, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, there's also been massive corruption, and this is this falls on the part of the current the current leader. There's been massive um, corruption that coupled with sanctions and and sort of economic difficulties have led to just. Unbelievable inflation and just mass migration. You know, Venezuelans are poor, are going to Colombia, they're going to Brazil, they're going to all these countries. And that, in turn, has led to this complete, you know, bread is 1,000 times just no price. And that has led to, to such a crisis where, you know, something needs to change. Now, here enters the problem. The United States and Israel and Brazil and Countries with what you would call far-right leaders have endorsed this opposition candidate. Now, this opposition candidate is, and they're demanding that he gets recognized. This opposition candidate, um, I don't know too much about him, but he's a bit more lenient when it comes to foreign oil investments. Venezuela is a very oil-rich country. Um, and um, the, one of the first things that they did not recently was sanction the state-owned oil company. So put new sanctions on it. So, so those, yeah. were those like the same sanctions that you said that were on them that put them in the economic crisis in the first place? Well, no, these are new. These are new sanctions. Okay. Um, again, a lot of the sanctions. Again, there's always so Venezuela is a very key, very key country in, in geopolitics. I mean, at, and one rule of geopolitics is that not all countries are created equal, and Venezuela is a very important country. It's a is a natural resources rich country. It is a big country, and so and Venezuela has had um, a relatively acrimonious relationship with the U.S. and with some with certain countries. Um, you know, like specifically extending back to Hugo Chavez, who's the socialist former leader of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, but so going to what the current issue now is basically, and I and, and why why it's become a contentious issue in America. There's a couple. Here's what I'll offer. I'm not an expert. I'm incredibly wary of American foreign intervention. Um, right. I, I get that. I get that. We have to be real sometimes and realize that there are elements that there's sometimes humanitarian crises that occur that we we need to intervene. But this is a humanitarian crisis. But the interventions not for humanitarian. Needs. We we have to be real with ourselves. Like what is going on in Venezuela is that. They are seizing back control and and getting and Yo, you uh you crapped out. Oh, can you hear me now? 
Okay, yeah, you said they are seizing control and they're see, they're, they're they're trying to get they're trying to swing Venezuela back as a state that that will sort of help serve their best interests. Right? This is not this is not for the goodness of their heart. And so okay? it's it's all for it's all a a ruse to mask their trying to like get favorable I mean, oil I mean, prices. I mean, it's just it's geopolitics, right? I don't see. I don't see them actually doing things. And I don't, because again, sanctions have never proven to be things that help the general population. Take any country that has suffered massive sanctions, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like Iraq was a good example in the nineties. It, it really bled Iraq dry, but the 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 autocrats and the leaders, you know, they um, they consolidate power. Saddam was still filthy rich. Maduro still has his money. The Iranian regime still spends billions of dollars on arms, you know. So sanctions really just kind of hurt poor people. And getting rid of this of Maduro and just the history of intervention in, in South America and Central America shows that it's it's not particularly going to end well. And the last thing I'll say is, I there's very few people I trust. In the world, less than than um, Donald Trump's security team, his um, foreign policy team. So that's John Bolton, mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo. So John Bolton and Mike Pompeo being two his two top foreign policy guys. I just I, those people are people who have a, who have a track record from the Iraq War, from before that, of just being warmongers and who, who they're just they're, they're, their foreign policy is a disaster. And I do not trust them. I I fundamentally disagree with them on everything. And they're the ones, sort of, spearheading this Venezuela project. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, they just haven't had the track record of. They're like the Dell Dems. It's just not going to end well. This is a good cut. <laughs> so would you say Maduro is Anthony Davis then? And we're trying to see if we no, can get it. We, no, 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 So you're saying no, like there's no, there's no Anthony, there's no Anthony Davis in this situation. Maduro all right, is not Anthony Davis. I Wait, know. actually, I know what it is. Maduro is the Pascal Siakam of everything here. No, Maduro is uh, Maduro is um, he's a he's a negative asset. He's Solomon Hill. I was gonna say maybe he's like John Wall, where he's just untradeable. I Maduro's John Wall. That's that's a great one. Yeah. Um, so again, if, if, if any of that made sense, basically what I was saying is that I'm really, really wary of the people in charge of making a decision. And I'm spacing on the name, but the gentleman who just was appointed by Bolton mm-hmm. um, to sort of lead the the um, they have a they have a team together focusing on Venezuela. The guy who is in charge of that has a pretty dubious history. Um, and I'm spacing on the name, so forgive me, but. Again, Mike Pompeo was just in Cairo, gave this really controversial foreign policy speech. Were you there? Um, Mike Bo- I was not because it was like three days before I landed. Ah. Uh, um, that's why you John, John Bolton is John Bolton is actively trying to get a war started with Iran. That's not even hyperbole. That's you saw the news today where Trump, you know, disagreed with his intelligence officers about the threat that Iran posed. That's that's all Bolton's influence. Okay. Bolton has been Bolton has been Bolton has been incredibly aggressive about that. Bolton is there's a picture now. Okay, I don't know how much this is, but there's a picture recently from a meeting with Bolton where he brought like five thousand troops to Colombia. 
Like Bolton's a Bolton's a very he's he's a war hawk for all intents and purposes, and I just don't trust these people at all. And again, I don't trust U.S. foreign intervention in in South and Latin America. It we we can we've we've read history books. Yeah. Although although I'd like to say though I'm not I'm not you know me I'm I'm, I'm quite a lefty. Right. I'm quite, I'm quite a left leaning person, but I'm not here to defend Maduro. But I'm also not here to say that U.S. The U.S. going in and trying to sort of implement a ruler who will they'll feel a bit more comfortable with um, succumbing to their free market desires is also a good idea. Right. Um, that that all makes sense. The one example you're talking about, like sanctions, sanctions fucking people over. The one like historical example I always go back to with sanctions is like you know Germany. Only like a decade ago, paid off their sanctions from World War One, and I mean those sanctions were a large reason that Hitler rose to power and World War Two came to be. Um, what do you call it? Sure, yeah. So like, all this stuff makes sense because like my main thing is that I inherently, in my mind, I generally think foreign intervention probably not the best idea. We probably should just leave those people like to stay out of it. Um, but I don't, but I didn't want to like to say that blindly, not knowing the regime, because like if the regime is evil, then maybe you do want to intervene. And like, I don't, like, I never know how much, like, I never know if there's a correct time to intervene. Cause like, obviously, so like, you're gonna, so you're going to, you're going to overthrow Maduro and then you're going to install this person and then what? Right. Once they can you like there's no way we could just like institute some sort of way to say that like they have to have a fair election. There's no way we could just do that to them. Right? Uh, no, no. I mean, no. Not, I'm, I'm not saying like we as the US, but like maybe the UN could do that. I don't know if Venezuela is part of it. I'm um, No, they tried actually. I think they I think um and again, they 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 pose questions. Yeah, I I forgot what this was, but that's something that's being floated with the with the opposition leaders that they they, need, they want to try to monitor the next elections, and the opposition, who's the the guy who's who is now um, thought of as the president by the U.S. and some of these other countries, was a bit cautious about you know having them fully monitored. So it's 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 we'll even see if the if the people who come after them are. Are, are you know fully democratic in that respect? Um, okay. Because um, there's there's something there's something there's something to be there's there's a, there's there's an advantage to be had also with not having for elections just because it's way easier. Definitely. Um. Um. My. But Venezuela, out of Venezuela, briefly, I I don't particularly. My position would be. I, I much I I very much agree with with Sanders, Bernie Sanders. And I guess AOC, uh, Alexander Ocasio Cortez, on this is look. I'm not here to say that Maduro isn't someone that we that we should have partially criticized, and is someone who who is corrupt and was a thug. But we have to be very honest with ourselves about why the U.S. is doing this. We have to ignore sort of these, I think, empty sort of you know we're just doing this to be humanitarians. No, we we have to see what's what, what why the U.S. is doing it and what's going on. And is anything that the U.S. is doing helping the Venezuelan people? And is anything the U.S. has ever done in Venezuela helping the Venezuelan people? 
or is it just to help corporations in U.S. interests? Because if it's just to help U.S. and corporate interests, then the same people are going to keep getting fucked regardless. Right. Well, also it makes you question – like you were talking about the Trump staff or whatever. A lot of them – I mean they haven't seemed overly keen on humanitarian efforts in America. Um, no, and I, like, I mean obviously – like again, as someone who's getting his master's in IR, it's obvious the international relations isn't strictly like a charity event. Like this is – Right. This is – this is states are going to squeeze out every little advantage they possibly can. But then we just have to be honest with ourselves. When you get all these fucking conservatives on Fox being like, yeah, look at the terrible situation of Venezuela. It's like, you guys don't give a shit. All right. Now, my question to you is uh, my last one that I have I can think of. I saw this guy on Twitter. Uh, he had like a big thread. It was all in Hebrew. And like I, I didn't know you could like translate tweet or whatever. And what he used to do with Boots Riley. Who got in a fight with Boots Riley? It's the guy who got in the fight with Boots Riley, yes. Right, yeah. All right, so what is – I didn't understand what the guy was talking about with, like, the Israel and Venezuela connection. Like, I didn't I didn't get yeah, what was so going Benjamin, on with that. Benjamin, Benjamin Netanyahu was – and the Israeli government were one of the first people to formally support the opposition. Okay. Yeah. Why? So um, why were – why is it important to them? Is it just the oil well, thing? Well, I think well, no. Well, I think yeah. I think I think that's obviously important. But I also think that um, look, look, look. Israel is looking for look. Israel has strong support from the U.S., but Israel's sort of global allies are not as big as a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel's facing a lot of pressure. Yeah, you crapped out. Andrew. Guys, we're having some technical issues right now. We're going to try and get back on as soon as possible. I was back. Andrew is back. Okay. Continue. Hi. So, what I was going to say, what I was going to say is um so basically, you saw this mudslide in um, Brazil. There was this massive mudslide in Brazil that's going to kill up to 300, 400 people in the, by the day, but the total will eventually be. And Israel was the first country to send aid. So Israel believes also if they can get, a, if they can get a, an ally in, in, a, in a prominent country that, where they can satisfy economic uh, interests and perhaps, um, I don't want to say military interests, but specifically economic interests, it's, it's advantageous because, again, they're they're facing a lot of pressure from the European Union, from you know, just a variety of states, and so Israel's yeah, it makes sense that Israel is going to try to is going to try to strike up a partnership with the new government because the Maduro government really didn't have much to do with it. It was very critical of them. Right. Um, so it's just Look, like one way one way states become legitimate is by having other states that are powerful. Recognize that basically force their legitimately the legitimacy on others, right? So the U.S. saying that you are legitimate and giving you arms and weapons and money and support that drowns out an entire European Union that it's critical of your of your government. Okay. And Venezuela is and so 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 this is what Russia does this too. This is why this is why. Um, um, 
Egypt's Egypt just had Macron was just in was just in um, Egypt right now. I mean, like this is how geopolitics works. Like, like you, this is an aspect of geopolitics as well. So, are you saying that like there are? So like there's like, uh, so like how many, how many maps? You know, I assume that the map is somewhat different for every country, like in terms of what we we recognize or whatever. Does that mean that like uh, it doesn't like it's like for some it's, it's just Palestine is there? There's no like Israel on the map for a lot of them. Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially here. Especially, like, in Egypt, you mean? In Egypt. I mean, in Egypt, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, that's a bit of a broad statement, but I've definitely seen maps here where it's just Palestine. Huh. I mean, you go to, like, you go to Lebanon, for example. I don't think you can get in if you have an Israeli stamp on your passport in Lebanon. You well, can't go to a lot of Arab countries with an Israeli stamp on your passport. Damn. Yeah. No, I mean, like, Israel, I mean, Israel has so, some significant allies, but Venezuela, look, look, you, you have to project as well. So you say, oh, look, a country rich in natural resources has the backing of the United States and several other prominent countries, has a strong, could, has the potential for a strong military presence, is a big country, why not sort of get in right now when we can? Okay, so they're buying low. Sure. Like, uh, almost like, or maybe like it's like sure. the IPO or... I think that, I just think it's 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a good potential ally to have. And also, the U.S. has a strong interest in it, and therefore Israel has a strong interest in it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, the more succinct, that's the best way to put it. That would be the more succinct way to put it. Okay. I'm always like with the geopolitics stuff, I'm always confused at like how something like in the Middle East versus like South America, like how that all connects. And again, to be fair, I I know a semi respectable amount about South America, but that's not like where It's not your I area know. of expertise. No, no, I don't have an area of expertise, I guess. Well I thought the Middle but East was more it's so. not my it's not even close to an area yeah i mean that's where i'm getting my master's in an ir in the middle east but still it's it's um yeah i i i i'm not an expert on venezuela would you consider like um, u.s politics like an expertise of yours i know okay um all right let's i guess let's transition to that since you're such an expert on it monster <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so I was looking at the uh, you know you know I'm a gambler, so I was looking at the Bovada odds for the next presidency. You know who the favorite is? No. Who do you think it is? Uh, Joe Biden. Donald Trump at oh, plus two hundred. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right, because you have to splinter all the Democratic nominees or no, whatever. Just, he's in, he's an incumbent president. Incumbents rarely lose. Right. So, let's say all right. So it's Trump, and then there are two tied for second place. Okay, at, at plus seven hundred. No. Oh, I just I, I imagine gamblers. Okay, so can I just tell you my preferred candidate, and maybe we'll see where 
This is, we're, we're, not, we're not talking preferred here. We're talking likelihood. Okay, but is Elizabeth Warren one of them? No. She is... Um, so I, I'll tell you this. Um, Kamala Harris? She's one of them. Bernie? No. No. Um, shit. So there's one more along with... Yeah, so it's second tier. Yeah, it's it's Trump then Kamala Harris and another candidate at plus. So it's Trump at plus two hundred. It's Beto, yeah. Beto and Kamala Harris are at plus seven hundred. At plus twelve hundred is Biden, and then at plus sixteen hundred are Bernie and Warren tied. And then I think plus two thousand is Amy Klobuchar, and then again or Klobuchar. Correct me if I'm mispronouncing. Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Okay. And then after that. And then after that, it kind of falls off. But I also like – I checked that before we had Howard Schultz, who we'll touch on in a little bit. Um, oh, dear God. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to save that for the grand finale. Um, what do you call it? Because I, I, I have an inkling of where you're leading. Um, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, so of those, like what – does any of that surprise you? At the moment. No, that's that makes a lot of sense. Actually, I think I think Beto and Kamala Harris definitely have, you know, a really good combination of that. They're 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 truly centrist or sort of moderates politically, right? Um, but they also have, I think, specifically Beto. Like Beto, progressives are pretty cool with Beto. Yeah, progressives have a lot of you know, certain issues with Kamala Harris, and that's gonna those are gonna rear their ugly heads in the primaries. She's got a shaky track record as a prosecutor, California. Oh, it's. She's, I would say more than shaky. More than shaky, and that's gonna that's gonna really hurt the, her. I don't think she's gonna be. Get, I don't think she's gonna get the nomination because of that. I don't think like I think Beto has. I think Beto will do really well with progressives, or at least progressives see that he, they they are somewhat optimistic that he might sort of find attention to their causes but I think Kamala Harris so I think Beto is clearly above Kamala Harris now with Bernie and Elizabeth Warren I think Elizabeth Warren well first of all Elizabeth Warren is personally my my, my favorite candidate uh, from the Democrats and it's not even close because she's um, I, th- I, th- I, I think her politics are pretty solid I think she actually you know had worked actively to pass legislation that could be very impactful, and I think she's you know a true liberal, true leftist actually, right, or whatever you want to call it. But I think you know, I think that's like I think that would be the outside candidate. So to answer, I think I think Beto and but I also think Biden. I kept bringing that name up. I think I don't. Well, so let me ask you a question. Just like when I say Joe Biden, what do you think of? Alright, um, so here's the thing is that like I heard a lot of people talk about um, Joe Biden and how they love him and all that. And I think Biden is only likable as like the vice president sidekick to Obama. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And even then, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't particularly find Biden to be all that fun. Um, and in fact, I would more so like if I'm describing – what I think of like Joe Biden, I just quite frankly think he's a huge creep. And I 
I just don't know how, like, especially like in the Me Too era, how are you going to push that guy who is just so creepy? He's so creepy. Yeah. Like, I would say... I would... It's probably between him and, like, Bill Clinton for sleaziest politician I can remember. Donald Trump's not... We're not including Trump. Right. (laughs) Or, like, Ted Cruz. Well, I'm saying, like... I'm talking about just, like, with women and all that. Sleazy. Oh, right. Sure. Okay. Like, I mean, don't just, like... Don't you think Biden, like, he strikes me as the kind of guy that will mack on your wife right in front of you and not care? Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I think we, I don't think even, I don't even think that's um, sort of um, an intuition. It's, we've seen it on video. Exactly. And, like, it's, I mean, if I was at a dinner party or, like, something like that and I brought my wife, I would not, I would not go to the bathroom if we were in a conversation with Biden. Um, but going back, it's, it's, it's far too early on, on the primaries, but I think, look, and, and, I, and I promise you, I think this is just, this is strictly analysis and not because I, I'm coming from the left side of the party, but, or the, just the left side of the spectrum, is I think that, yes, you're going to have to run closer to the middle. You always do. America's not an extremely liberal country. It's much more conservative than most Western countries, right? And yes, you're not gonna you're not gonna run on some like socialist platform, but the left party, the left part of the Democratic Party, is strong and it's growing, and it has increasing influence. You're seeing this with the new freshman senators and congressmen, congresspeople, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, all these people. Perhaps not Bernie, but. But, but Elizabeth Warren and, in some cases, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, you just saw, um, apologized for the, the, the crime bill of 93. The what bill? Well, so the crime bill. Of- oh, crime. I, th- I couldn't tell if you said crime yeah. or cry. Crime bill. Especially the a big provision on it, which made the sentence, the, that differentiated the sentencing for crack cocaine and powder cocaine, which was just clearly a blatantly racist law. Oh yeah, that was the. I don't know how anyone could have yeah. like let that pass. And he apologized for it. And then again, that would not have been the case if you wouldn't have had farther left leaning factions of the party. So again, I'm really like, I don't know. You you probably know members of the Democratic Party who are a bit far left leaning or really sort of out on Kamala Harris. Yeah, I've seen that for sure on her. Um, I think right now, if you, the plus, I think the reason why Harris and Beto are the are the favorites at the moment are I think that if you're putting money on either of them to win, and I should like I should like reiterate that or not reiterate I should iterate uh, that politics should not be treated like sports. Um, yeah, of course. And like you shouldn't gamble on, you shouldn't gamble on politics and hope. Things happen based on like where you bet on it. I'm just you know I but like you re- you recognize that some people do, um, and so I'm saying like theoretically if you're betting on Beto or you're betting on Kamala Harris, the reason that you're doing that is that you're betting that the, the they're going to get the super PACs and they're going to get the the uh, how do you put it? like the 
the institutional Democrats or whatever, like the party is going to really align with one of the candidates. That's how well, it almost always we, works. Well, we raising money is, I mean, they're the best fundraiser is who's officially announced is Bernie, but Beto pro- proved in Texas that he can raise a stupid amount of money outside of super PACs. Right. And if you can combine that with institutional backing, that's a whole lot of resources coming at, coming at the pri- in the primaries and then perhaps coming in the presidential election. Now, let me ask you this. That's a whole lot of money and a whole lot of just energy. So I have like I have concerns with Beto in terms of I've seen um, a he hasn't been his voting record on like stuff to do with the environment hasn't been great. And I also saw no. that he voted against a Black Lives Matter bill that would charge police with murder if they shot someone. Um, right. So that that seems a little questionable to me, and and the fact that like he really doesn't have that much like. I spoke about that kind of track record from his time in office, but he hasn't spent a whole lot of time in office, which I guess some people could argue is a strength because, you know, we see with Kamala Harris, a lot of people... The last Democratic rock star was the exact same way, though. Obama? Yeah. Did he have, like... Obama had to have more political experience at that point than Beto. A little bit. I mean, he talked in constitutional law. He was a state senator, and then he was in on his first term as a... He was a first-term senator. So, uh, like, Beto, how much less experience does he have than Obama? Um, not much less. A bit less, but not much less. Okay. Um, not much less. I mean, there, Obama was not that experienced. I mean, yes, Obama was, was again, a constitutional law professor at the University of Chicago. was a state senator. And had was just working on his first term as a, um, as the national senator. But he doesn't have the experience of Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Kabbalah Harris. I mean, right? There was yeah. I mean, even Obama did. Right. I I also would say I kind of grow weary of I, I I've, I'm iffy on like trying to compare guys to Obama because I feel like he is just such a. Um, I mean, we talked about it before. I don't. I don't think he ended up being like the greatest president of all time or anything. But in terms of like his speaking ability and all that, I don't know if I've I've never seen a greater speaker than Obama. And I don't think that I just don't think Beto is even like in the same stratosphere in terms I mean, Obama, of Obama. Obama is like. Well, I'm gonna use a crappy sports analogy, but like he was like. A LeBron James level, like political figure, like he was just a once in a generation, just right. combination of of timing, of looks, of charisma, of intellect, of oratory power. Was, yeah, he was he was just unbelievable. Right. Yeah, and so it's not fair to compare anyone to Obama. That's fair, but I, I do think I I just wonder like, are the Democrats going to try and throw their weight behind Beto? Because he is a young, handsome white guy, handsome-ish white guy that purports himself a progressive, is that is that pretty much all I it's going to take? The Democrats are going to play this. I think the Democrats are going to play this pretty pretty low key. I think they should. I think they. I think everyone is quite clear that the main goal is to beat Trump. 
I think they're going to have a pretty crowded field, and they're just going to play it by ear. I don't think it's going to get too dirty. I don't think it's going to get too... Um, because people aren't going to let it. You don't think so? No, I, don't, I mean, I think it's going to get dirty because it's politics. But I don't think it's going to be like Bush McCain 2000 level dirty or sort of like it's like some of these primaries that we've seen. So, like, so in 2000, like the Republican, it was so McCain. Oh, the Bush McCain one was absolutely brutal. So what happened with that? Long and it was well, it was really long a time. I mean, Bush was running against McCain, and Bush was Bush was a relatively up and coming, um, you know, governor of floor of Texas. He was relatively moderate, but he was going against McCain, who was sort of, you know, obviously really well known and 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 and, and um, a war hero. Personal. It got really personal. I think. I think. And, I, and this is not a direct quote, but this is what they said. Basically, I remember the Bush campaign was saying that McCain was mentally unfit to be president because he had been tortured as a prisoner of war. So they're saying like his like PTSD. Got, like you know, he was just like he was tortured. He was insane because he was a prisoner of war. Oh, is that worse than uh, Trump saying that McCain? Yeah, wasn't is. was a loser because he worse. got caught. It is. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that was. I know that was like that was not cool. Like he shouldn't have said it that. It was like a Trump level. It just got really dirty and it got really contentious. And I just don't think that they're gonna do that. And me and I don't think it's because they're better than them. And I don't think it's because of some sort of higher moral standard. I just think that the the people really won't like the, the people are so locked in on trying to beat Trump. Now I I don't know if they will. Do you think, too, that um, it's easier to get dirty when it's just one-on-one? Yeah, it is much easier to get dirty when it's just one-on-one. And that's why I say they're just going to sort of let it play out. Because there's seven or eight – there's going to eventually be seven or eight candidates that have a legit shot at winning. Right. Now, I think – They're just going to sort of sit back. Now, let me press you on Last time, it was just Bernie. It was just Bernie and Hillary last time. Right. And it was really like Hillary and Bernie kind of weaseled his way in at the end. They're like, all right. There was no one else. There was like Lincoln Chafee and Jim Webb. (laughs) Right. Um, Now, let me press you on this because you said earlier when people run, they're going to run more centrist in the presidential election. And historically, that's kind of been the case. But I want. They're going to have to trend a bit into the center. Now but here's, they're going to run more progressive than they've ever used. Here's why, here's why I think that may not be the case. Could you argue that the 2016 election kind of showed that you need to run a little more extreme? Because I think that I sort of compare it to the way media models have shifted. You know, ESPN, for the longest time, their strategy for like a TV show, your strategy is to be at least a little appealing to everybody. Because you just kind of assume someone's going to have their television on. They just need to have your – they want to put your thing on. But now media is more opt-in. It's podcast. And you don't you don't just flip on a podcast willy-nilly. You decide, well, I'm turning on this podcast because Ryan Rossillo knows the NBA better than every, everyone besides Andrew. Uh, that's why you're doing it. And so you see the same thing with the polling. People are – Voting is not something that everyone's just going to do by default. We saw like the most popular candidate of last election was no was no vote at all. You had to get people to opt in to go vote for your candidate, and that might mean taking more extreme positions. 
So I, so I 100% agree. I mean, Hillary Clinton technically ran, I mean, just based on her platform, ran the most progressive camp, campaign of all time. Why did you have to say that? Because she was for, God, Why did you have to say that? No, but it's my, it, it figures into my point, and I'm agreeing with you. All I'm saying is that, um, I, no, you can run a far-left candidate. But there's going to have to be some sort of meeting. Because, again, America's just not... Now, I think in 2016, that was the chance to run the really outside-of-the-box campaign. Because people were really pissed at this establishment. And you ran the most establishment candidate of all time. But I think also people are also really sick of the chaos. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And the incompetence, and so I think I think Bernie's less appealing in twenty twenty as he is in twenty sixteen. That's fair for a broader audience. I also think that um, what do you call it? I I kind of feel like whoever the the Democrats nominate, if you can't beat Trump, then you just like the party needs to fold. Like any, I think you should be able to be able to pick any single one of their. Uh, any one of these candidates, all six or seven of them, any single one of them should be able to defeat Trump. Right? Um, no, I mean, should be able to, maybe. I think I think Trump's, it's it's looking pretty bad for him. I think he's, I would give him a 30 to 40% chance of winning. I would have said 50-50 six months ago. I think this. I think this recent streak really, really hurt him. I think people are really upset at him. Again, I'm not. I was back in America for a lot of the shutdown, and I think people are really sick of him. Well, the shutdown was kind of like the like the, sh- the shutdown was a devastating thing for him. It's just like really like as if you keep the government running, people are not gonna people well, aren't gonna speak also, out too much about well, things. The, 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 like you know, he 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 did sort of the cardinal sin which was to sort of I mean he, he fucked over people's paychecks openly for a dumb egotistical sort of hubristic move oh yeah um, and so and I so I think I, I think that I mean it depends on who they run but I will say that the last thing I guess I'll say on the on the, on the Democrats is the field is just gonna it's not even close to being just complete. We don't have a clear picture yet because there's still several candidates who, who have not decided to run who could win the nomination. For example, there's a there's a congressman out of Ohio named Sherwood Brown. Okay. Yo, are you th- are you there? Yeah, he's a, he's a lawmaker out of. Um, I'm sorry, did I say congressman? He's, he's a. I'm, hold on. Sherwood Brown. This is really embarrassing. Give me a second. I'll Google him. Give me a second. Sherwood. Yeah, he's a senator. What am I doing? Wow, you anyway, fool. He's a senator. Anyway, um, yeah. So he's he he has a he has a you know he's he has a chance. Um, um, Biden is not even officially in the race. There's going to be a couple more candidates. So Cory Booker might run. Did you see that he is dating? Um... Rosario Dawson now? Why? Oh man. No, yeah. I didn't see that. Um I'm gonna go ahead. What? 
Yeah, yeah, good for him. I thing is, the last time I checked, she was dating Eric Andre, and I guess they broke up like a year ago. Um, She's dating Cory Booker. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Sherwood Brown is not gonna win. Because uh, he's an old white dude. No, because I googled Sherwood Brown, and the main thing I see is a. Uh, basketball player who plays for the FLB League. And the next one I saw is that the next Sherwood Brown I saw on Google is a Sherwood Brown that's accused in the killings of a 13-year-old DeSoto County girl. Yeah, it's Sherwood. Sherwood. It's S-H-E-R-O-D. That's how you spell it, by the way. Oh, that's Sherrod. Yeah, but it's a white dude. That's how he pronounces it. I don't know. Sherrod. Fuck this guy. I don't know, man. I... I... All right. So now I, I typed in the right spelling, and it, it worked out. All right. So never mind. Um, all right. So do you think that... I saw like a pretty... What do you call it? After Bernie... It was basically implied that Bernie's going to run. I saw a lot yeah. of backlash... So I, I wonder, do you think that they're in the same way that like – I saw like Hillary's like – Hillary's not shut the door on running. Do you think in a similar vein to Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders has too much baggage from 2016 to really have a chance at making a run this time? Well, I don't think it's too much baggage. I think that, yeah, I think that there's, there's a group of people that, that are really – Frustrated with him, but I think Bernie's core supporters are still there. I think Bernie raised money and has still continued to raise money at sort of an incredible rate. I think Bernie's going to have the volunteers. Now, I'm not saying he'll win, but Bernie, but Bernie's still going to be a really impactful candidate in this race. Okay, um, and he's sort of like the OG of a lot of these these ideas that are going to be big litmus tests, like um, Medicare for all and. Um, like that's something that's becoming sort of a litmus test for a lot of these people. Like, do you support Medicare for all? Kamala Harris says she did. Um, that was a big Bernie push, and so he has such this ideological influence as well. That I, I don't know if he wins, but he's you have to you have to at least you have to at least appease a large group of people that really are fond of his ideas. That's fair. Um... I noticed that Kamala Harris, this is like a small little detail, but it's something I was looking out for. She was talking about her like tax policy plan she was unveiling. And in contrast to AOC and Elizabeth Warren pushing a like a 70% marginal tax on the ultra wealthy, um, Kamala Harris just spoke about giving tax breaks to the middle class and not really touching on that. Should I be concerned that she's not going to ever want to push, like, press the super wealthy? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if your concern is that she's going to aggressively come after the super wealthy, then, yeah, you should be concerned because she won't probably. Okay. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it's, 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 she's, she's, she's sort of, what she's doing is sort of has been sort of typical, you know, liberal politics. I mean, she's, she's for increasing taxes, but she's, She's not for this sort of harsh tax on the super, super wealthy. 
I think Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders would be the only two candidates that would just explicitly, aggressively go after ultra-rich candidates. Um, what do you call it? Did you did you see the uh, the video of Kamala Harris talking about the music? Talking about what? It, like Kamala Harris, I don't know what she went on, but it was like, this is my mood mix. And it was like songs that make me dance. I'm real. I'm really glad I didn't see that. Songs for a cookout. Um, are you you are familiar with a tribe called Quest? Yes. Yeah. Um, so on her songs that make song that makes her dance, she referenced "Check the Rhyme" by a tribe called Quest. Uh, what is the what is the main line in that that song? Do you know what it is? Can you ask that question again? You kind of broke up. Sorry. Do you know what the, the primary line, like the, the notable line in Check the Rhyme is? No. You on point tip all the time, Fife. On point tip, you all the time, Fife. The, that, that back and forth, does that ring a bell at all? Yes, it does. I've heard that song. Okay, so you've heard the song. She, you would, you would assume that she's saying that like the song makes her dance, that she would be more familiar with the song than you are, right? But she said it, and then yeah. she, she said, song that always makes me dance, check the rhyme by a Tribe Called Quest. You know what I'm talking about, Fife. <laughs> and I, I know I shouldn't be, I shouldn't overreact to that one thing. Nah, it's big. But that's just like, all right, you're going to try and sell us that you're cool and hip and you're full yeah. of shit. I can tell already you're full of shit. I had like some intern being like, real hip hop fans, like the tri- a, a group called the Tribe Called Quest. And she's like, that's not a real band. And they're like, yeah, I swear. <laughs> just, say, just say you like the song. And she's like, okay. Yeah, she, um. She probably wanted to like talk about her like favorite Macklemore album. Oh God, I don't, I don't think we got to. We, she talked a lot about E Forty because you know she's from the Bay, which I guess makes sense. Um, but then she said like, "Oh, you know my favorite cookout song is you know you play a lot of songs. I would recommend Lemonade by Beyonce." And like, I'm not sure if you've ever listened to Lemonade, but that's not like a that's a pretty sad album. It's about her getting divorced and like feeling like self conscious and all that shit. Like, I, why would you want to play that again? She probably had some like she probably had some like intern be like please uh put put this together for me that's what i'm saying but that you know but like it wouldn't bother me if i didn't know that like she was going to try and campaign on that kind of thing um but anyway like, I'm, I'm not trying to like just make fun of her or whatever um no we have, we'll have plenty of time for that right i mean i i personally think i think she if i had to bet on it, i think she'll win the election i think she'll become the president and the democratic nominee um, I uh, again, I, I'm a bit. I, 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 for me, it's a bit too early. She's not everyone's in the race for me. That's fair. Would you say that? It's a boring. It's a boring answer. But if there's, Beto hasn't officially announced. Biden hasn't officially announced. Booker hasn't announced. You know the bees, the killer bees. Um, what do you call it? So you said that Elizabeth Warren would be your massively preferred candidate. Um, and you touched yeah. on like her and Bernie Sanders are the only leftist can- – are going to be the two primary leftist candidates in, in this primary. Right. Um, I mean, they're not, I mean, again, I think calling them leftists might be a bit too butchers. 
stretch, but they're they're quite liberal. Left, like by American Left-ish. standards, American political yeah. standards, they I would qualify yeah. them as leftist. Um, so you said that you'd prefer Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders. What what separates her from him, in your opinion? I really, I mean, for me to be honest with you, I just I I like I find Elizabeth Warren to be a more effective politician. I find a bit more cohesion, and I find a bit more, for example, when it comes to. Um, for example, I, I'm trying to remember. I have I have a bill that Elizabeth Warren wrote, and it's on my phone. Just give me a second, because I I read it. Ah, 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 here it is. Yes, the, the title of the bill is Anti-Corruption and Public Integrity Act by Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren. And basically, it was it was this idea to try to make it illegal for for politicians to go into lobbying after they went out of office. Oh, that's a great idea. It was brilliant. And she's done a lot of, you know, legislation on, you know, on, on, on anti-corruption, on oversight of military spending, on educational reform, on government, like all these things that I passionately care about. And I, I find her to be a more, I, I just find her to be a bit more effective in that regard. Also, I find her just to be a bit more appealing of a general candidate. She's younger. She's, I think she's got a bit more vitality, and uh, I find her to, to be. Uh, I think you could also. She's just as left as Bernie Sanders, ideologically, but she doesn't come across that way to a lot of people. So I think you can get more people to vote for. Okay, so would you say that? So it, it's. Would you say that like you're just you just prefer her because you think she has a better chance of getting elected, or I because prefer, the I, I I mean I think she's done passed more legislation and 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 been more active, um you know going after um, corporations and going after f- officials for corruption, going after over uh, going after sort of egregious military spending, and those are things that I, I really really care about. You know, tackling education reform, and again, I think she's been a bit more active than Sanders when it comes to that. Not that Sanders doesn't care about those issues, but Warren's been sort of prolific when it comes to her work in the Senate. Do you think? And, um, sorry, go ahead. No, and I and I and I appreciate that about her. The one thing that has given me pause with Elizabeth Warren, how much of it? She, I think there's like, what do you think I'm going to say? You ha- you probably know what I'm going to say. Is it the Native American thing? Yeah, I that pissed me off so I, much. That was just that was just that was just dumb. But I don't think that was. I think I think we're adults and we can realize that was just that. Was, I don't I don't find that to be. I I just didn't I like that know, she it, stooped to to Trump's level. Yeah, and it was dumb and it was childish. But I don't think it's. I mean, she's gonna also gonna run against Donald Trump. Right. Well, it's like I just I fear that like if she's gonna try and like. If you try and win that, you try and play that game with Trump. You're playing his game, yeah, and you're, you're gonna, gonna lose. lose. Oh, um, everyone will lose that game. I, I mean, God, if I got into a name calling fight with Trump, I would get eviscerated. So this is not like this is not some like attack on her or anything. Like no one is winning the name calling game with him. I guess <laughs> you want to give like give him some props. I guess he's he's good at the name calling. Um, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, I I would say too for me, 
I'm not one. I, I guess my view on like or my preference or whatever when it comes to identity politics is that I'm not someone like Alora Duca who she wanted like Alora Duca has like said she wants a Kamala Harris Elizabeth Warren ticket because uh, she just wants and she just cares that like a woman gets elected. And I can if I was a woman, I can understand that you'd want to see someone like you in office. Uh, Laura Duca is the she's a writer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to remember. I've yeah. I'm kind of off and off Twitter, so if she's a heavy Twitter presence. I may not. That's her main thing. I mean, you should like. I'm. You should definitely not be on Twitter. I I shouldn't be on it either. Like every time I delete it, I feel great, and then I just come right yeah. back. Um. What do you call it? But anyway, I you know I so I can understand like someone just wanting a woman in office. For like my the way I view it all is it's like a it, to me it's like a tiebreaker. Like if I think two candidates are equal, go ahead and put the woman in or put the minority candidate in. Um, and so I, that's kind of where I'm at with Bernie versus Warren. Is that they're both? I mean, I don't know like the specifics of, of their stuff as well as you have, like the prolific like uh, senatorial stuff. I wasn't as aware of, um, but like am I? You know, me. I just want like a leftist to get in to get an office and push more progressive policies. And so I'm thinking like if we can get that with either or, go ahead and put the woman in there. And let's get that progress as well. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. I, I think, again, I... I just really, really... Elizabeth Warren really impresses me. I, I, I've been, I'm constantly impressed by her demonstrated leadership abilities, her I, her her civic acumen. And her, um, pull the strings of system government. And also, I just ideologically really agree with her. Uh, I mean, I, there's things that we will diverge on, obviously, but I, I I find her brilliant. Right. I mean, would you say that, like, you think that maybe you guys diverge on, like, she's more creamy peanut butter, you're chunky peanut butter kind of thing, or? Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like chunky peanut butter, man. You're big into chunky? What? Saying you're big into, like, chunky peanut butter. Yeah, man, chunky peanut butter is... Creamy peanut butter is great. You so you'd say you definitely prefer that to creamy. No, I don't definitely prefer that to creamy. So you like creamy hey, peanut? Why, is it, why does it have to be one or the other? Well, that's that's always been my point. You know, my fridge right now, I got some creamy peanut butter and some crunchy. Yeah, well, you definitely need both. Sometimes you got to put them together. Ooh, yeah, it's good because some, sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Well, because so you're, like, you're making a sandwich, right? In one. One, if you're just gonna make a peanut butter sandwich, right? Like the top, and we'll have we'll have creamy, and the bottom will have chunky. Yeah, I think that's that's the way to do it. That's a solid sandwich, and then and then you put you put a little jelly in the middle. I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week because I was putting like I've been I've always eaten a lot of peanut butter, and it's been really shot up as of late. Um, can you believe that peanut butter is less than two hundred years old? I do, because I know, wasn't George Washington Carver responsible for inventing it? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I just like, I literally, literally, I, I cannot even imagine my life 
without peanut butter? Peanut butter is um, actually here. It's it's a bit pricey, but I mean it's not like ridiculously pricey. It's still cheaper than it is in the states. But peanut butter is such a great thing to have around, and it's also a great. It's like you can kind of get away with feeling like you're eating healthy, but when you want a sweet tooth, you can just eat peanut butter. Right. Or when you have when you have a sweet tooth, I should say you can just eat peanut butter. I would. Um, I I have to like kind of mix it up a little bit in terms of a sweet tooth because okay. I. I only eat the natural peanut butter, um, like the most, like Peter Pan and Jif and all that um, has like sugar mixed in to make it. T- to, that's why it tastes sweet. Um, okay. It's the peanut butter I get. It's the stuff you got to stir. Um, so there's none of the sweetness in there, but it's more intense peanutty. So if I want the sweet tooth, I, I combine it with some Nutella or like some. Some jam or something. Uh, by the way, we have some NBA news. Oh, is it that the Dems returned the call? Chris Dems Zingas left the Knicks with the impression that he prefers to be traded. He sources tell Ramona Shelburne and me. This is Woj. Oh, I saw that. expected to commence discussions on moving him ahead of next Thursday's deadline. Oh, so they're going to try and do it even more. I, I'm going to say, that guy is like... Um... Oh, but and these are the teams that are interested in Porzingis. Hold on. The Nets, Clippers, Heat, Spurs, and Toronto Raptors. What if the Raptors are trying to get Porzingis to flip for Anthony Davis? Ah, oh, that's too much. Why? Why don't just like well, why don't the Knicks just trade Porzingis? Why don't the why don't the why doesn't New Orleans just trade with the Knicks? Um, they need more prospects. No, but the Knicks would just trade them their lottery pick and then Przingis. I mean, I guess. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's something to monitor. Right. Um, the one last thing we wanted to touch on was Howard Schultz. Ah, yeah, okay. Um... How how much do you not like him? I like Howard. Uh, the amount I like Howard Schultz is probably equivalent to the time about a month ago when I went when I woke up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom and I walked back and I stubbed my toe against the side of my bed, sharp side of my bed, and my whole toe like nail fell off and uh, it hurt to walk for about a week. And um, the scar still remains. So that's about like analogous to how much I like Howard Schultz. So you don't fuck with him at all? No, why? No, of course not. His ideas are trash. He's a corporate billionaire. No, 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 no. Do you like Howard Schultz? No, but I do think that... um, I would say this like... I, I don't know if this is like respect or what you would say, but I think that Schultz... Can legitimately ruin everything. I don't understand this. I don't know who the fuck. I'm sorry for my language. Who the fuck sees Howard Schultz and like, yeah, I'm gonna vote for that dude. Our so a guy we knew in college, John Becker. If he's listening to this, I don't know why he would. Uh, I can tell him now. Like John, I saw John liked how one of Howard Schultz's like campaign tweets or like video tweets or whatever. 
And I just, I was like, in that moment, I was like, well, I guess me and Becker are never going to be friends again. Oh, my God. Like, Why? I just, like, what is, all I, the only thing I can see him doing is detracting enough from a Democratic candidate to keep Trump in office. I just, I don't think Schultz is anything. I think if Bloomberg ran, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, don't. I, I think Bloom, like, I think Bloomberg, like, I think Schultz is just, like, an absolute nothing. I just think, think people are bored. Well, yeah. I think it's six months, like, no one's going to talk about Howard Schultz. You, you don't think, that, but don't you think that he's at, like, uh. I might be completely wrong, but I, I, I just, I can't. Uh, can we pause this for two seconds? I gotta run to the potty real quick. Still there? Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I didn't. I forgot to pause it, so we're just gonna have that blank spot in the podcast. No one's listening past this point anyway. Uh, well, we can we, we can wrap it up. I think we can. I think we can talk about Howard Schultz. All right. Well, I was gonna say like. Um, well, I was gonna say we could wrap up Schultz. I realized actually after you started talking about him that I didn't know how much there was to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I just. I don't. I don't like. I don't like the guy. I don't really want to, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he just popped up too much on my social media feed. I'm really sick of the guy. Yeah, I just, and I don't feel like people, I don't think people like Starbucks as a brand. I think it pisses a lot well, of people just, off. Yeah, yeah. And I just like, he has no great ideas and he's not very affable and personable. And uh, yeah, so it's not a great combination. What I love how like he keeps saying that like, the Democrats and the Republicans don't want to work together. But if I'm in office, they'll work together. Like, no, I'm pretty sure they're still going to not want to work together. Just going to go out and live and say they still don't like each other. Um, yeah, it's not, they're not going to really like you too, Howard. So. Right. Uh, we didn't touch on the Super Bowl, so I'm, I'm curious. Let's not dive into any like nuts and bolts, X's and O's stuff. Um, what do you call it? I have a few questions for you. One, were you in America for the uh, the NFC and AFC championship games? I was not. I didn't watch a minute of it. You didn't watch a minute of either? No. I was in Egypt. I was sleeping. Okay. So you, you didn't care enough to stay up for it? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I don't have 
No, I didn't. I didn't want to. I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's no, we're not judging you. I was just curious. Um, no. what do you call it? how like how big of a pain in the ass is it for you to watch games? So I, I basically just watch the Vikings games. So when I go back to America, I watch almost all the football games because I never watch them. So I kind of like I kind of just sit at home, especially in the winter in Minneapolis, and I just watch football. I loved it. But when I'm in when I'm in when I'm in um, Cairo or wherever over, I am overseas, I basically just watch um, the Vikings games, and that's it. Like I won't watch the Super Bowl. You're not going to watch it at at all. No, no. So that, that was the other thing I was going to ask you. Is I was curious, I like might catch the, I might catch the ending of it. There is there like any buzz at all in Cairo? No, I mean there's a couple kid, there's a couple people that I know who like American football, but no. I mean, like, on the, no. Are those people who like American football American? No, I mean they're Egyptian. They're they're like they're like they go to we go to an American school, and so obviously like, American culture is super super influential. Wait, so when you say like an American school, is it like for wealthier Egyptians to like send their kids there? The Egyptians, yeah. I mean, American school. I should I should, I should preface this. We're an international school. That we, we 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 were we we um. We use Common Core curriculum, which is like the the standard. Like we use American public school standards, or American like educational standards. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So like they they mildly they kind of care about it. Some a couple kids do. Yeah, a couple kids like. Yeah, I mean a fair amount of kids are gonna like care about the Super Bowl and stuff. And they play football on the in the in the on the playground and stuff. But. So you're like you just don't like. Wow! Like, when would you have to wake up to watch it? Well, it wouldn't be too bad. I mean, so I would have to wake up at like the game would start at it's gonna start at like six thirty forty five to in the morning. Uh huh. And then I, I mean, I gotta, I get up at work at six, so I'd probably get up to watch the second half. I mean, if I got up at three thirty or four, maybe I don't know. See, I think you should do that. I think you should do that. Uh, watch the watch Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you should watch the second half. Um, but I also I'm biased. I mean, I, I just love football, and I'm like, I can't no, get enough of it. The thing is that I gotta stream it, and sometimes the streaming's not great, and then it's just if I had a TV with where I could just watch it on a normal television set with no sort of internet delays, right, and pop up ads and stuff, then yeah, totally would. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Damn, I just... It's going to be a good game, though. I, I do have to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the one thing the Patriots have done is, like, every Super Bowl they've been in has been close. Yep, it's going to be a fun game. Um, so did you see, like, I assume you saw the uh, the no call. I saw that, yeah, I did. Was that the worst call you've ever seen? Yeah, it's bad. I'm, talk- I'm not even talking just football, any sport. So you don't. There's no NBA call that was worse. Nothing that comes to my mind, right? I mean, I guess if I went back and thought about it, um, there's a couple charges I thought I should have gotten when I was playing basketball. But oh, not <laughs> I saw an NBA, not just for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, fucking you. I don't. I don't remember. It's bad though. It was. Uh... Oh, I remember one time. Uh... This is NBA ref who everyone fucking hates. What's his name? Dick uh, Pavetta? 
I went to a game. Joey Crawford? No. Um, Ed Malloy. Sounds familiar. And Ed Malloy, I was at a game, and Kevin Love just got absolutely hammered um, going up for a three, and they didn't call it. And it was really famous. Like, the Wolves radio guy, like, lost his mind. He's like, Ed Malloy, are you kidding me? And it was just, like, a horror. Like, Kevin Love got crushed. Like, literally knocked to the ground. And just no and call. call it. No call. So that, that was, was the worst if, one. If that would have been in, like, a game seven, like, that would have been, like, there would have been, like, the league even admitted that it was a missed call. Yeah. I, it was just, he, he, it was, Kevin Glover uh, got hacked. I think I find, if I find the highlight, I'll show it to you sometime. I'll send it to you. Like, it was, it was an inconsequential, like, mid-January game against Dallas Mavericks. But still, it was that was the worst call I've ever seen in person. I, what do you call it? This was a rough thing to happen because I, I realized quickly I needed to, I couldn't really talk about the play publicly. Uh, I mean, because I had some money on the Saints to win uh, and to win the NFC and all that, but obviously watching, I did not want them to win. I really. Really wanted them to not win, so I was very, I was excited with the no call, very pleased with the no call, and I'm going to go ahead and say it: the Saints were getting some great calls throughout the game. A lot of stuff was not being called that they were doing, uh, and I don't think that a proper attention gets pointed out to that. Uh, objectively speaking, that was like pretty fucking awful. I mean, goddamn. I mean, yeah, that I mean, that I happens know, and they I win the game. It's, it's hard, but yeah, they should have. I mean, it, it, it was, and also I think the Saints would have been, a, it would have been fun to see Breeze versus Brady. Yeah, then I wouldn't have had, any, had anyone to pull for, though. Yeah, I mean, are you pulling for LA? Oh, yeah. God, I mean, it, if the Patriots are in it, I'm pulling for whoever's against them, except for when the Patriots played the Falcons. Or for me, it's, I, I, I would not root for the Saints. So you, the Packers. so you have the Saints like you. They've leapt. They've they've become number two. Yeah, they're they're fully number two. The Bears number three. How much did like the Bears like jump up this year? Because I felt uh, like I mean like I mean like a bit, but like it was amazing, right? Like the Bears only. I've never really liked the Bears, but most Minnesotans don't really shit. I mean, they don't like them because they're a division rival, but all their hate is really just directed at the Packers. Right. Kind of like the Bears fans really don't give a shit about the Vikings fans. Right. They like they kind of recognize them as a rival, but they all just fucking hate the Packers. The yeah. Packers just hate the Bears and the Vikings. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, the Packers are the only team that like I actively root against. Like, that, it, Can I be fair? They're the only team in professional sports that I just actively, like, every time they're playing, I'm like, I hope they lose. So there's no NBA team that you actively pull against always. There's no what? Uh, no, there's not. There's no NBA team that like if they when the Packers won the Super Bowl, I was legitimately pissed off. It sucked. I was so upset. Do you think that is like when they beat the Steelers? I was so pissed. Do you think that's like specific to football? Where like. Football is more conducive to, towards, like, engendering legit hatred. 
Yeah, although I do have to say, though, I have to, I have to amend that, that. I really fucking hated the White Sox in the mid-2000s. I was going to say, I thought maybe the Twins, I thought you would hate the Yankees because of the... Oh, no, I, I, Twins fans hate the Yankees, but I think that's just, like, because they they own us. But I thought about, they had that, there was the one game, the one series where y'all, it was the wild card series, where y'all got fucked over. This was one of the worst, I would say, like, this has to oh, be, like, top... call. Yeah, I was just about to say... The call on Mauer's double, what should have been a double. That was like top five worst calls of of my lifetime. Yeah, that was as bad as that pass interference call. Um, Although it is a little round ball, like coming really fast. <laughs> right, I mean, it, it's under. Obviously, the caveat with all these all these bad calls are understandable because making calls is hard. No, but the thing is, this this pass interference call was not understandable. Right. Um, do you think baseball? I I think baseball and football are the two most are the two sports that engender the most hate. Uh, I don't know. Basketball can get really brutal. But I don't think I think basketball. Maybe you hate specific guys, but I don't feel like basketball. You hate specific teams as much, like baseball. I don't know, man. What do you feel about Kansas' basketball team? Well, I don't fuck with them. Um, it's hard because I don't care about college basketball, basketball as much as basketball. I used to. But what do you feel about Duke? Again, I don't like I, – I really don't – I feel almost nothing about any college basketball thing anymore. Um, I used to hate Duke basketball on a similar level to all those other things. Right. Um, but I, I think that like, like baseball – you talk about like the Twins and the White Sox because both of those teams are pretty good mid two thousands. How many times do they play every year? What like sixteen times? Oh, another team I don't like, and you're not gonna like this, but like I, I can't hear you. No, you can't. Or you no, I didn't. You said you're not gonna like this, and then like you crapped out. Oh, I said I don't like the Cardinals. Oh yeah, I I saw that coming. Um, like so, fuck the Cardinals. So like basically. Like baseball, like the White Sox, you guys play each other like sixteen times a year. Yeah. So I think that just like kind of just kind of builds the oh, hatred. Another team, another team. I just, I also just hate. I mean, like I'm not a big fan of the Washington football team. Is it that just because of like their name? The racist name? Yeah, partly. Yeah, I remember like that. <laughs> their owner is trash. Oh yeah. I remember like when I was like when I first started watching football and I saw that name. I remember just thinking like it's like is this okay? this can't be okay. I this no. It's like this this can't be right. Cuz I mean it's it it's actually like it's the equivalent of if you name the team like the Atlanta N-words. Yeah, it's it's Yeah, it's basically that equivalent. Uh god. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think I think they'll probably win too. Um, it's fucked up. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't see, I don't see it. But again, I'm, not, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to bet on it. Well, you you definitely don't see it because you're not because you didn't see any of the playoffs. No, I did. I watched the first round. Okay, so you didn't, but you didn't. So you didn't see any of the Patriots or the Rams. 
Yeah, because they didn't play till the second round. I didn't. Hey, do you want to hear a fun fact before we go? Before we go, let's wrap it up with a fun fact. All right. Um, fun fact. Drew Brees is in the NFC South, yes? The NFC South, currently, of the four starting quarterbacks, two of them have won MVPs and made a Super Bowl this decade. Do you care to to name those two, or can we just let's just let's do process of elimination of the NFC South of the yeah, NFC South? Which, which no, no, no. Oh, it's Cam Newton. That's right. That's right. Drew Brees. I want. I just want everyone to let's remember. Let's remind everyone. Drew Brees is one of only two NFC South starting quarterbacks to never win an MVP or reach a Super Bowl this decade. Uh, wow. Wow, isn't that pretty incredible? It it, it just that's makes a, it. It's a it's a fun fact, Reed. I think it's I think it's really fun. <laughs> it's really it's really it's really something. Um, but all right. I always I, remember. I always remember the Saints cheated in two thousand nine. They shouldn't even fucking have been at the Super Bowl. Right. A lot of people talked about that. That this was like karmic justice for what uh, happened. As a Vikings fan, I felt no sympathy. I was like, sucks to be you guys. Yeah, I mean, that was. Oh, and, and by the way, the whole that Stefan Diggs married Cole Minneapolis, the only way it would have been better if it was against the Packers. The fact that it was against the Saints was. Oh. Yeah, I mean, if that had happened against the Packers, I think y'all would have liked. You know, that, you know that Rick and Morty episode where. Do you watch Rick and Morty? Yeah, of course. I am a you genius know that Rick and Morty after all. episode where, like, the. the um, they're in, like. Like the Morty's running for president, and there's the that 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 sweet factory where they inject like the pleasant memory of Rick and his daughter, and it's like the simple Ricks. Oh my god! My my simple like Andrew memory would just be like that, like the Saints, like dejected faces <laughs> after that game. <laughs> <laughs> and that would just be it. The funniest part of like that and the uh, the no call is like. The city of New Orleans just gets so... They all just come together and are so pissed off. Yeah. They're so pissed about every... Like, did you see, like, they had that congressman? In Congress, like, with talking about that call. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see that. Did you see that the... Uh, yeah. Oh, my. I got to find this picture for you. Oh, my God. Uh, congressman. Did you see the, the newspaper... No. Oh my god. Uh, oh my god. This is. I didn't the, see any of it. There. Where is this fucking picture? Oh my god. Uh, Louisiana congressman. They have to show this. Louisiana congressman. Yeah, because they the. Uh, the New Orleans Times Picayune, the headline was refing unbelievable. Um, New York and Dallas are in deep discussions on a trade that would send Christoph Porzingis to the Mavericks and Dennis Smith Jr. to the Knicks. Oh my God. Are you telling me that we are going to have both of my European children on the same team? New York is finalizing a deal to acquire Chris Epps-Brzingis. That doesn't make any sense, Woj. 
Uh, so it sounds like this Chris Asperzingas deal is about to happen, so hold on. All right, we might need to, like, we might need to stay on. Yeah, because Woj is saying that... Oh, my God. A deal. Oh, the Mavericks are going to take along Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee's contract. Oh, the Mavericks are going to get Chris Stapps. They're going to get Chris Stapps and Tim Hardaway Jr.? And Courtney Lee. Is there any way Porzingis can play this year? Okay, hold on. They're going to get a future first-round pick, too. Um, Holy shit. Are you seeing this? Dude, I I can't believe this shit's happening. What is this? What is this garbage? God damn it. I hate being a a fan of a team in the Western Conference. Dude, I don't get it. How come... What There's you, no bad teams in the West. You know, for like Phoenix and Memphis. How come? How come they all get these good players, and the Hornets never get anyone? We never get anyone good. Okay, so can I say that? Like, okay, can I say that the only way this fucking makes sense? And Newark tweeted, tweeted about it. Network or whatever, like Newark. Fuck, this is city. The oh, you Network, mean Jason uh, Concepcion? Yeah, Jason Concepcion. Oh, Jason Concepcion. He was like, the only way this makes sense is if, like, Chris Ops is, like, way more fucked up than we thought. Oh, yeah. Because that- Chris because he had, like, there's no other explanation. Yeah, I'd, like, uh... I, or maybe they need to, like, clear space and they know that they're getting Durant. That's fair. They might know that, they might, like, be locking up, because one of the key deals is that they're taking on Courtney Lee and Hardaway's contract. Plus, the Knicks are getting a first-round pick. Yeah, I just... So it's not like a ridiculously... I don't know. It's not a great trade. Well, we'll talk about it. Well, I think it's great if you're... I mean, if you're fucking... uh, Dallas, it's an incredible trade. So all that the Knicks have done is create max space, cap space to pursue two max contract players. Which they'll probably not get anyway. I'm thinking that like they have to be knowing, they have to know that like Kyrie and KD are coming. I... You crapped out. It's, uh, whoa. Hello? Hey, all right. So I said that the the max contracts thing. Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, no, not for two of them. Well, I think that's. I would almost say that's the only way that's going to happen is if you get both. That's true. That's fair. I mean, I think I actually. Yeah, that's fair. I think. I think. I think there's a decent chance that KD goes to. But to be honest with you, there, I think there's a pretty good chance that KD goes to the Clippers too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, like, the Clippers guys have been stalking them. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, God, I'm going to be, I mean, I just want New York to get a good basketball team regardless of which one it is. Um, But as someone who's like, the, the thing is that I can't become a Nets fan. I want to become one, but they actually, like, they and the Knicks are the two teams that I cannot watch. 
What do you think of the Nets? Before I'm, we go, well, I think they're dead. Russell is he is he is he ever going to be an All Star? Okay, the Sports Center just Woj and Zach Lowe just reported that he Anthony Davis plans to treat any trade destination as a one year stop unless it's the Lakers. So I think that means that they yeah. are and apparently like New York, like they're going to make this deal. So basically, we're going to have Przingis and AD traded at the deadline. Wait, so they Western wait. When did what did you say? Like they're going to like trade? What do you mean? Like when did they say that? Well, I, I, it sounds. I, I, what, are you talking about? Porzingis? No, with Anthony Davis. When did you see that? I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get traded. I think I, I saw today on Twitter that they've opened up to Scott. Like the the Pelicans have picked up the phone for the Lakers. Okay, so do you think they've started to talk to the Lakers about a trade? They've opened up a trade dialogue. Okay, so does that? Do you think that that means that like the Raptors are the only ones that would be able to take a rental? Yeah, I mean, I don't see any other team taking a rental. I mean, the Raptors literally could just be like, "Fuck it, we're gonna try to win the title this year." I'm just gonna go ahead and say it: if the late, if Anthony Davis is traded for any Raptors package or Ben Simmons, and I don't get 100% credit for calling it, I am no, going just... to chop off your hand. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Did you see, uh, what do you call it, uh, 